Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> All right. We are going to start with your favorite topic. Wait, we not going to do an intro or anything? Oh, hello. Welcome to Tweets and Tonic. With your host. Oh, yes. Host, Mandy and... Aaron. Okay. Got that out of the way. Uh, okay. Your favorite topic to kick off the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Marvel or DC? I thought we were talking about aliens. <laughs> Gosh. Marvel or DC? So, let's see. Um... N.J. Simmons tweeted that she was having a serious conversation at her dinner table. And what divided them was DC or Marvel. They came to the conclusion that DC has the best villains and Marvel has the most empowering heroes. I would say that that's not true. Oh. Last time we discussed this, I swear you agreed. Well, so, not the best villains. They have more relatable villains. You can see how you would go that route on a really bad day. Versus, As opposed to like Thanos. Exactly. But those villains are rooted in a sense and they have a limit on what they can do. They're not going to do anything really crazy. Like yeah, they snap. can't snap and destroy the whole world. Yeah. Well, I do like Joker. Uh, Heath Ledger's Joker. He's probably my favorite villain. See, but that's the thing though. The Joker... So there's a couple of theories about the Joker. One is that he's super sane and realizes that he's in a comic, so he does whatever he wants, which I think ruins it. Um, another one I don't is that. another one is that he's basically trying to get Batman to be where he is and just show him on a bad day like he can be the Joker. And that's the that's the whole premise behind. I think it's the Killing Joke, where he tries to do that to Commissioner Gordon. He shoots his daughter in the back, paralyzing her, and puts him through, like, this torture session. And Commissioner Gordon never breaks. Hmm. Well, in keeping with that theme, um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier has come out. Oh, Lord. So, Sharon Hody Miller is a pastor in North Carolina. She tweeted, It really pains me to say this, but I am not loving Falcon and Winter Soldier. Marty Durham responded, post WandaVision let down a bit over here. I like it and hope the rest plays out strong, but it doesn't pack the punch of WandaVision, like going from the Dark Knight to Adam West and Burt Ward. And then she commented that the action sequences are not nearly as well done. It felt like she was watching a superhero show on the CW. It's pretty uh, strong words for a Disney. And all false. Oh. Yes. Is she like, a false prophet? Yes, because the, the actual... The choreography was really great, but that's not the thing. If they say that it's a post-whatever letdown, so first of all, you can't look at the show in the same lens you look at WandaVision. WandaVision is a escape into psychosis. <laughs> yes, and where, a mind game. Exactly, where um, Falcon Winter Soldier actually deals with real-life things, and the thing may be that they're tired of hearing about those things. Because, and spoiler warning for anybody that hasn't watched it, season uh, episode two, like the fact that they had a black Captain America who, after being a hero, was arrested and put in jail, poked, prodded, and tested on for 30 years? Like, how is that not compelling? How is it not compelling to see that the Falcon, if he wasn't the Falcon, would have been arrested? 
by the police in Baltimore? How's it not his name didn't even carry enough power to get his sister alone to save her business? How is that not compelling? It's well, more but, rooted in reality. Yeah, you know, I was gonna say maybe that's more of their uh, privilege that they don't understand that though. It may be, but what do you think about it? I haven't seen it. So Oh, that's right. You never <laughs> did see it. I've not seen it, but I have read the transcripts of it. So, you know that I didn't like the beginning of WandaVision. Yeah. Because I didn't like the whole... Well, I just didn't really understand what was happening, first of all. And then I kind of got into it. But I would say on a scale of one to five, I'd still only give it a three and a half. Really? But I don't like to get lost in psychosis. So, that's why I would be more drawn to Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yes. And um, in all honesty, it's a great show. And it deals with a lot of emotions. Like, again, spoiler warning... Bucky is befriend, has befriended one of the guy's dads that he killed when he was controlled by the, the uh, Hydra. Hmm. And he's trying to make amends without telling him. And you can see the pain in his face as he deals with this man. Like, he wants to tell him, but he can't. But we don't know if that's because of the fact that he was given a pardon on all that. It may be part of the legal circumstance of it. Or it may just be the fact that he's befriended this person. He doesn't want to look like a monster. Is this show going to be like just a cap amount of episodes just like WandaVision was? Yes, I think so. But it may have a second season, unlike WandaVision. Interesting. Well, we're going to totally shift gears now. Uh Uh-oh. Lindsay Gibbs tweeted about the uh, women's NCAA basketball tournament today. Uh, Stanford beat Arizona by a point at -hmm. the end of the game. She tweeted today, remember it was Stanford strength and conditioning coach Allie Kirshner who first called the NCAA out for the disparity in weight rooms. Cool that it ends with her getting a trophy too. So if you didn't see this, when they got to the tournament, the men's workout facility was like immaculate. And the women's workout facility was a bench and a hand a dumbbell. Hand weights, yeah. yeah. So uh, folks like Vanessa Bryant, Kobe's widow, took care of that and got it to what it should be. But um, I do think it's really cool that Stanford won. I also like Stanford because Russell Wilson's sister plays for them or played. That was her last game. But I do think it's interesting that that disparity was so on display. And I saw a meme the other day that compared Sue Bird, who's in the WNBA, with LeBron. They've been in there the same amount of time. She's won more world championships and more MVPs and made the playoffs more than him. Her annual salary is $220,000, and his is in the gazillions. So, I guess my thought is, I, I mean, you've always heard this kind of stuff, but I don't really know how you fix it. And I think people who say, well, the easy answer is just make the salary equivalent, I don't think that's right either. No, I don't think that's right. I, I don't know what the answer is either. Um Because the thing that the salary goes off of as well is sales, right? Right. And, like, who goes to a WNBA game? I mean, should they? Because, like, WNBA stars, their technical skills are probably better than a lot of dudes. So They definitely, in my opinion, play more fundamental basketball. Exactly. Depends on what you're there to see, basketball or a show. And it seems like a lot of dudes power through and don't use technique. Mm -hmm. They just use force. 
know. Well, one of the things I like is that LeBron is actually one of the biggest um, advocates for the WNBA, just like Kobe was. Yeah. And he's always, you know, shouting out women's basketball players. And even in this tournament, he's been doing that. But I guess I just wonder, like, how do we ever get to more? Because, you know, there's been this fight in the corporate world for women to make as much as men or equal or more. And the sports world still has this gross disparity. And also... In arguably an industry that makes the most money of those two. (laughs) Also, though, I think a lot of things with uh, equality and pay is behind a lot of smoke and mirrors. People quote all these facts and, you know, factoids. But what do they actually mean? I don't think the people who even say these statistics even know or what these statistics actually correlate to. So I think we need to have a real discussion about what the issue actually is so that we can fix it and not just throw around these random factoids that we really don't know what they mean. Well, and I think, I think one of the things is it's super easy to say that you think women should be paid as much as men, but it's another thing to actually pay them. Yeah. And I think, you know, let's take like advertisements, right? And sponsorships and deals like that. Kobe makes a gazillion, I mean, LeBron makes a gazillion dollars playing basketball, but he also makes a gazillion dollars repping every brand there is. So why don't these companies, if they think it's such an issue, pay the women to be the... See, but the thing is, is this. So more women are graduating from college now. More women are making more money than men now. So can we truly say that there's still a gap, a wage disparity? We need to actually look at the facts. And that's what I'm saying we're not doing. Like, we, we hear politicians say that there's a gap. But they haven't shown us the study that shows that Well, gap. but couldn't you acknowledge that there's an obvious gap between Sue Bird and LeBron? Oh, yeah. Most definitely. And I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm saying let's look at reports and figure out how it exists so we can fix it. Well, and I think, too, back to the thing about sponsorships, it feels like that women are only valued as representatives when they're, you know, hot and, like, scantily clad and ads and stuff. So that goes back to the consumer and not the companies. Because they make money when you watch the ad fully and when you click on it and when you buy it. So if you don't do those things, why would they run it? I mean, that's dumb for their business. So that comes back to the everyday people that are allegedly the ones complaining. See, but that's a totally different topic. We're talking about advertisement. Advertisement... Deal advertisement, advertisement. <laughs> deals with beauty in a sense. It's some warped sense of beauty because the people in advertisements usually don't match reality. They're selling you a dream or whatever yeah. else. So that's completely different from corporate pay. Um, and yes, women women are um, objectified in the media all the time. But at the same time, you can't say that men aren't as well. Well, I mean, yeah, look at the Calvin Klein ads. Exactly. Like, men are objectified. I'm not saying it's more, but the problem is we need to fundamentally change the way we do media, period. Yeah. This isn't acceptable for either person. Something else that I think needs to fundamentally change is uh, the church. Oh, Uh, we getting saucy. Well, and speaking of LeBron, uh, Luke Norsworthy tweeted uh, a few weeks ago, if ESPN isn't covering Beth Moore's denomination-free agency, they are missing out because there hasn't been a bigger free agent since LeBron. So this is obviously in reference to when Beth Moore put out the article that she was leaving the Southern Baptist Convention and pulling her merchandise from Lifeway bookstores. Um. 
And it actually ties into the other tweet that comes after that, which is from Laura Jean Tremaine, who retweeted Stephen Price. And she said, or it said, Father, forgive me for the times I desired a seat at a table you would have flipped. Um, I obviously have a lot of thoughts about this, and I'm very glad that Beth Moore did this. Um, I, I think it's insane that we're in this century, in this decade, and we still have this conversation, that she has just as much right to be in a pulpit as you do. Yeah, well... I'm not qualified. Well, <laughs> but no, I think I think this isn't just a, a women's issue. I think this is also a person of color issue. Mm-hmm. I think everybody is starting to figure out that maybe I need to do things my own way instead of trying to ask, beg, borrow to get a seat because a lot of times we compromise things that are important to us to get to this place. You know, mm-hmm. and it's not worth it. In fact, uh, I applaud her. So, because make your own way. Because why would an oppressor be nice enough to give you what you want mm-hmm. when they're the one in power? They have no obligation to do that. And if anything, it would diminish their power. Why would they do that? You know? Yeah. Well, so, today is Easter when we're recording this, and Jamie B. Golden from the podcast um, had a really. Wait, wait, wait. You didn't respond about Beth Moore. This is about Beth Moore. Okay, sorry. Sit down. Um, But she was talking about Mary Magdalene at the tomb and how it was a woman that was told by Jesus, or by the angels, go and tell what you've seen, that he's risen. I mean, it was good enough for Jesus to tell a woman to preach, but is it? I guess it's just not good enough for the Southern Baptist Convention, which is of no real surprise to me. Um... I think that if Jesus were to walk amongst us today in earthly, in bodily form, I think he would flip the tables of most denominations. I I don't even think it's a thing about denominations. Though those are used as reasons to divide us. We all believe in the same Jesus. I think think to a certain extent, the organization of church has thought of itself as more important than Jesus at this point. Because a lot of pastors put themselves in the place of Jesus. And that's not what you're there for. <clears throat> well, Chris Davis tweeted, this is all still on the same line, so don't jump to conclusions again. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, jumpy. He said, as an SBC pastor, I ask fellow conservatives, if our solid theology does not lead us to care for the poor, honor women, seek justice for the oppressed, speak truth where there is falsehood, set God over country and protected the vulnerable, what good is it? I'd really like to ask every person that has decided to stay in the Southern Baptist Convention while they've rejected critical race theory, calls to denounce racism, still not allowing women to preach in their pulpits. Um, I'd really like to ask them all that question, but the sad thing is I know the, I know the BS answers they would give. And so that's why I'm glad Beth Moore stepped out like this. I don't think financially she'll be impacted at all. If anything, she'll probably make more money. But but you know it wasn't about money. I think it's just interesting the the Southern Baptist leaders I've seen that have commented on Twitter about this is the exact reason why she left. They they oh thank you for your ministry and you know you're welcome in our church, sister. It's all a bunch of bunk. Like, you're welcome in our church to tithe, but you're not welcome in our church to preach. 
Well, I mean... And she doesn't even want to preach. She has always been very clear that she is a teacher, not a preacher. Well, the audacity. <laughs> who are you to say who can preach and teach? Well, uh, part of my problem with this is... They see the evil that drove her away from the Southern Baptist Convention. Mm-hmm. But instead of calling out this evil... Like, it was the most diplomatic answer you could give. And honestly, it reminds me of the Pharisees from back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And honestly, I, I, uh, I started realizing everybody that calls himself a Christian isn't a Christian. When people were okay with, with people, immigrants, being locked up in cages mm-hmm. two years ago. Like, people, yeah. other people forgot about that. I haven't forgotten about that. Well, but I'd like to point out they're still in the cages today. So exactly. let's let's not make it political, but I can make it a humanity issue. You know? Exactly. And people, instead of loving with the love of Jesus, they all of a sudden hide behind the law. Well, they broke the law. But the thing is, if it was their kid, if it was their spouse, if it was their life, they would do the exact same thing. Yeah. Like, it kind of goes back to like with Katrina. Mm-hmm. People of color, looting, non-people of color, they're trying to survive. Yeah. It's all about your perception. And because people are, how do I say it? They are vilified. Their perception is, makes it okay for any manner of evil to happen to that person when it's not right. It's not right that Beth Moore had to leave the Southern Baptist Convention. That should have been corrected. Well, maybe if the Southern Baptist leadership would spend a little more time uh, with the body of their church than in the Trump camp, they would see that, though. See, but that's the thing. That right there lets you know that they're not following Jesus. Because hmm. what, what, part, what, what part of teaching people about Jesus, speaking the gospel... Involves you getting involved with a particular candidate. Well, we used to have separation of church and state. We still have the law. We just don't abide by it. So, I mean. Billy Graham. He didn't care what your your affiliation was. He'd come pray with you. Would he not? Well, his son is sure bastardized that, but. Um, on the same topic of, well, same topic being women. Uh, somebody we've talked about on here before, Rachel Hollis has yet again stuck her foot in her mouth um, and done the exact same thing she always does. But last week on uh, Insta Stories, she talked about the maid that comes and cleans her toilets twice a week. (laughs) And I kind of wonder what's wrong with her stomach that she needs a maid twice a week for the toilets. But that's beside the point. Oh, no, 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 no. I if mean, the, you, I could see. Sparkling, you, I could see, but. No, they have to sparkle every time her butt cheeks. <laughs> she, uh, of course, got called out for being privileged, in which she came back in Insta stories and was like, Of course, I'm privileged. I don't see you up at 4 30 in the morning busting your ass and like went off on this stuff. So then she got called out for not being relatable. So just, <laughs> she rebuttals that with, uh, if saying things like if you really knew her, you would know she doesn't want to be relatable. And then she decided to call out the people she was comparing herself to, like Harriet Tubman and Oprah Winfrey and a host of other incredible African-American women. 
So, of course, that has not landed well. And so what does Rachel Hollis do? The same thing she always does. Comes out and says it was her team. That she knew she messed up instantly and she should apologize, but her team told her not to. You know, last time it was her team that allegedly said it, but this time she was actually on camera, so she couldn't deny that. Kristen Howerton has a really long tweet about this, but she, one of the parts I liked, she said, but I think it's time for Rachel to stop doling out the self-help advice and sit at the feet of some people who can help her with her pride, with her privilege, and with learning to value herself for her internal qualities instead of what is looking increasingly like narcissism. I mean, how is she not canceled yet? Well, that's, I was texting with some friends today and I said... I just don't get it. Like, anybody else would be canceled. But but not Rachel Hollis. She bounces back. Like, are there women out there that are so desperate for her lies? Yes. Yes, Ashley. Well, yes. Girl, well, go wash your butt and get some life. I mean. So, this is how crazy this is. Kevin Samuels, he does out advice to people who come to him. Mm-hmm. He tells people, men and women, the horrible truth. With no sugarcoating at all. Mm-hmm. All he gets is negative feedback. Mm-hmm. Because nobody wants the truth. Now, usually people will come back to him a couple of months later and say, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did whatever. They don't do that retraction publicly. Well, no, of course not. But, like, it's easier to live in the lie than to deal with the truth. Mm-hmm. And again, how is she not canceled? I mean, I don't, I really do not get it. I mean, it's so interesting to me, the people who get canceled and the people who don't and the things that we let slide for some and not for others. I mean, my question is, what is different about her than the rest of these people? I, I, I honestly have no idea what the appeal is. I mean, I've read her books. I've read a couple of her books. I haven't read them all because I cannot stomach giving her money or just reading it because I feel like I'm reading an infomercial. Well, no, what I mean to say is so, and I'm about to get spicy. No, brother. So, I would say cancel culture more targets men than women. Would you agree or disagree? I mean, I think maybe I could agree with that, yeah. Because, think about this. Johnny Depp accused of battering his wife. Mm -hmm. Then you find out she cut off his finger. And threw pans at him. Okay, yeah. She gave a speech about time's up, me too. Nobody called her out after that. Nobody. Yeah. She still has her career. Johnny Depp is destitute. Like, he still has money, but he has no career whatsoever. No one will hire him. Well, I mean, my thing is, I don't really, I don't get behind the whole cancel culture, but I do get behind accountability, you know? And I mean... I'm sure whatever was going on with the two of them was probably volatile on both sides, you know? Well, Uh, that's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is cancel culture is not holding her accountable. Like, it's not holding Rachel Hollis accountable. She, because in essence, what she said was privileged Mm -hmm. and not only racist. And let me tell you why it's racist. She compared herself to Oprah. Billionaire. Oprah. Well, I could kind of compare her. I could compare her to Oprah. Uh, but what I can't compare, Harriet Tubman? She has not done anything on the level of Oprah. Does she have her own network? 
She did. Uh, on that network. Quibi. No, but on Quibi. She exactly, did. Quibi. Till it got canceled. Oprah has a channel. <laughs> a channel. I mean, I am not, I am not but saying. You get what I'm saying? Though. Yeah. She compared her penny any thing, and I said it. If you like her, I'm sorry. It, it ain't big. It's big. Highly doubt. My, that's my thing. I can't find anybody that truly likes her. And that's the thing that bothers me. She compared herself to Oprah. She ain't done nothing on the level of Oprah. She compared herself to Harriet Tubman. She ain't saved nobody's life. Like. Yeah. What? Well, you know, one of the, the last thing I want to talk about is um, I would be remiss to not have us talk about the Derek Chauvin trial right now uh, for the murder of George Floyd. Um, which has obviously been going on and been very hostile, I guess. But Joshua Potash um, tweeted, look, they're going to convict Derek Chauvin. He'll be sacrificed to restore faith in the system. But we need to understand that no matter what happens, the entire system is guilty. Chicago cops killed a 13-year-old Monday without cause. There is no justice in this system. Reform is not enough. So I'll just start out by saying I didn't like that he said he'll be sacrificed to restore faith in the system. I mean, he should be fried, in my opinion. Yeah, but you, you don't understand what he's saying. Like, it's the sacrificial lamb as a peace offering to people. Right, as to try to buy them all for their yeah acceptance. Exactly. And the thing is, it will work. It will work to some extent. Until the next person's murder. Until the next person's murder. Which will be probably in two minutes from what we're talking right now. So, like, I, I just, I don't understand. And I believe that law enforcement is needed. I'm not saying I don't believe in law enforcement. What I'm saying I'm confused about is, how can you trust a group of people that the FBI has run multiple reports and inquiries about and said that they have been flooded with the KKK. How can you trust that? Especially as a person of color. How can you trust a group that's repeatedly killing people, unarmed people, innocent people, Breonna Taylor? You know, like, how can you trust them? How can you trust them when privatized uh, prison systems make money from Walmart, from Whole Foods by selling labor pennies on the dollar. Yeah. Like, how can you believe, like, how can you trust a system where the lawyers who see themselves in a young white male, but not in a young black male, that will throw the book at one person and let somebody else get off with community service? Yeah. How can you trust that system? Well, and I mean, I do agree with what he was saying, that I don't think reform is enough. I mean, yes, that is part of it, but that's just, to me, one piece of the puzzle. And again, as I've said before on here, I do think that there are good cops. Yeah, that's not the problem. But the problem is the bad ones poison the rest of them. And honestly, the bad ones put the good ones in jeopardy. Well, my question is, are you a good cop if you see a bad cop do something and you don't say anything? Yeah, I do think it's interesting the amount of cops that were on the scene of this happening and really Derek Chauvin's the only one on trial. Because to me, I look at it like Jesus. Would Jesus stand to see that and not say something? No. I'm just tired of hearing, um, you know, oh, he was on drugs. Well, 
Doesn't that does matter. not mean he deserved to die. No. Was he erratic? Yes. Was he erratic after he was pinned to the ground and handcuffed? No. And and that's the thing that that's my problem with people who who can't get past the fact that police officers can be dirty. That want to have um, like. I think, to some extent, people who fight these things for people like uh, Chauvin, whatever his name is, mm-hmm. they have to believe in the system at all costs. Because if the system's dirty, then you have to live with the fact that you've been living in a privileged position and a lot of people can't deal with that. Like, kind of like Rachel Hollis. You can't deal with the fact that, yeah, you woke up at 4.30, but you had the means, a lot easier means than a lot of people of color to get to that point. Yeah. A lot of people of color can't even go to college. woke up in a house, you know, I mean. Yeah. A lot of people of color can't even go to, can't even, like, go to college. They can't afford it. There's a lot of white people that take six buses to get to a school that's worth going to in the morning. Kids. A, a person of color can't do that. And, you know, I mean, they're up at 430, but God forbid Rachel Hollis has enough to pay her toilet cleaning. Because I know a lot of single mothers who go to work at 430 in the morning and don't make anywhere near as much money as her. Haven't had the opportunities to go to college. They actually do their own work instead of stealing other people's work. Exactly. It's here and there. So, it just, it frustrates me how people fight for this and it's like they don't understand the fact that yes you worked hard but you still have more opportunities than a person of color now that's slowly changing but let's be real i thought it was interesting her team well she says her team of course which why anyone wants to work for her at this point i don't know not because you'll throw you under the bus but all these um very like well-known black female voices were commenting on her thing like calling her out they all got muted of course and she's like well that wasn't me that was my team of course it was it's always her team and getting back to the other topic honestly like i pay my taxes i deserve to be protected just as well as anybody else i don't understand why i have to fear for my life in any interaction with a police officer. Well, I mean, I think that's a given. I just think that, like, people have got to start coming to the table with plausible ways to fix this. Instead of, like, we've been talking about police reform for decades. But you can't reform. Exactly. So come with something else. Because, if I remember correctly, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but the original iteration of the police was to police people of color. And they hired old slave slave catchers to do it. They they put uh, curfews out so that they could capture, lock up black people, and put them back to work on the plantation for a crime they didn't commit, and for a, like a time frame that didn't fit the crime even if they did do it. So you're yeah. telling me you can make a honest, just system from that. Well, no, but that, I mean, that's the point. Like, I'm tired of people just saying we need reform. We need a lot of things. We need more money in the mental health system. We need, you know, in the communities. We need 
to do more for the homeless and help more with addiction and things like that. So, like, come to the table with more than we need police reform. But that's what I'm saying. Because that's not the answer. That's the thing. I'm saying we don't need reform. It needs to be rebuilt from the bottom up. It needs to be changed fundamentally. You can't even work with the previous bricks. You got to start over with a new foundation. Yeah. And do something completely different. But the thing is, so many people feel comfortable because it's not them. It's not their neck on the block. Well, and I think people look at that as, oh, that's too hard. That's too hard. What would we do? I mean, that's all we know. Well, just because something hard doesn't mean it doesn't need to be done. <laughs> no, I'm just playing the devil's advocate. I mean. And, and it's hard because the people who typically police are the same ones in power that are oppressive. So it's like we don't we don't want to give up our power. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, what do you do with that? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I think we have to keep talking about it because if not, that's just part of the plan to shut voices up. Yeah, but that's the thing though. Like can't grow weary of doing good. But that's the thing though. Like, people did their march, and then they were like, okay, we're good now. No. Well, yeah. Like, like government, <laughs> government organizations love to see people march because they know that you're going to get some sense of satisfaction, and you're not going to do anything after that. Yeah. It's over. You know? Yeah. It's just, I, I honestly, nobody's going to go for completely demolishing the system and starting over. No. Reform ain't going to fix it. No. I mean, I don't know what the answer is, but... There is no answer. It's just going to continue the same cycle that's been going on forever. Well, I have to believe there's something that can be done. We just have to keep trying. Well, you can believe that. But the only thing that can be done is rebuilding it from scratch. Yeah. And no one's going to go for that. Yeah. Well, at least no one from this current generation. Ten generations down the line? Possibly. But the current generation, no. Because think about this. Legislators that are in Congress right now are people who were born before segregation ended. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there are very few that were born after. Like, how can you trust that group of people to legislate correctly? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I agree. So it's going to take a couple of generations before we even get to the point to even starting to fix these issues. Yeah. And I just hope that me and my son make it <laughs> to see those situations. Well, 10 generations, probably not. But I hope the family line keeps going. Yeah. Basically. Well, that's all I have. You uh, have any parting words or thoughts? Man, when are those aliens going to get here? <laughs> They're already among us. Beam me up, Scotty. Yeah, they don't want anything to do with humans. I doubt that. I doubt that. I mean, why would you not want to deal with us? We kill each other. We're barbaric. <laughs> we we care about our own self-interest more than we care about other people's well-being. <laughs> well, on that happy note, that's the end of this episode. See you at the next one. Oh, I do have part of it, so. Oh, okay. There is hope. Don't put hope in organizations. Don't put hope in any company. Put hope in people. Because you can change one heart at a time. 
Oh, that was that was sweet. Hallmark moment. <laughs> All right.